Welcome to episode number three of the Larry Crawford Leadership Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to come alongside you and help you become the leader you were created to be. We're better together. As Dr. John Maxwell says, everything rises and falls with leadership. This episode, we are honored to have a leader of leaders with us. I'm honored to have Dr. Richard Hilton. Now, Richard has served in over 48 years of leadership, of being a leader to leaders, and he has so much experience at every level. And so what he's going to share today is going to help you no matter where you may find yourself in your leadership journey right now. I want to welcome you, Dr. Richard. Oh, it's a joy to be here. I'm, I'm honored to share always with the leaders, especially because that's where our greatest influence is. You know, I, may, I can speak to a congregation of uh, a couple of thousand in our home local church, but then the greater influence is to speak to 10 leaders because they yes, may sir. represent 30, 40,000. And if you can influence them, you can really make an impact. So it's an honor to speak to leaders today. Thank you. And you know, you, you know how to speak to leaders. I mean, uh, you are overseeing uh, many churches. Uh, you have 27 churches that you directly oversee. 11 of them you planted and, and 16 others that have asked you, like ourselves, right. uh, to provide oversight. And then you've got Calvary Alliance of Churches, where you're speaking into uh, 72 churches. That's yes. a lot of leaders. Yes, it, it is, and uh, and I'm honored to do it. I'm always humbled by it too. It's it's amazing how much you learn from leaders when you're teaching leaders. The feedback and the time between sessions, and uh, you find them asking you questions and maybe sharing how they're doing things. And the next thing you know you're trying to figure out who's really teaching who here. I think I've learned from you. Yeah, you know what? We do. We learn from each other, don't we? It is, and that's a great leadership principle. It, it, you have to continually be learning because when you stop learning, then then you're really done and you're not making any impact. Yes, sir. And one of the best ways that I've found to learn is ask questions. Ask questions. And uh, so what I've done is I've prepared some questions that I'm going to ask you okay. today. And I believe that when we ask these questions, these are questions that probably many of the leaders out there have. And I know the answers will benefit them and help them become the leader they were created to be. And so one of the questions I wanted to ask is, what is the biggest challenge facing leaders today? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I think the the biggest challenge facing leaders is, uh, if I could rank them, maybe like a top four, I think the first would be just casting vision. Yes, sir. I think that's the biggest challenge because communication is supposed to be a leader's strength, and yet at the same time, most leaders fail to communicate well. And so casting vision, communicating the vision, you know, a motivation, providing the motivation and inspiration that's mm. necessary that's good. to keep people moving forward. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest uh, challenge that's facing any leader because every church or business goes through transition times like we've been through recently, and you find yourself having to uh, re-energize. It's not something you do once, in other words. You, you don't cast the vision one time as a pastor. You have to continually cast the vision 
You have to continually be providing inspiration. If you don't, everything begins to lull. And once that happens, you lose momentum. And uh, once you lose momentum, then things just start slowing down. So it's really important to to motivate people and keep that uh, going through uh, really good communication that keeps everything going. And I think that out of that then, uh, when you're casting vision and you're communicating well, you do a better job of developing your team because, to me, that's another challenge that leaders face. And uh, when you go from, as we did, we planted our church and uh, pastored it about 30 years, and in planning it, going from a home meeting to a small church to a medium-sized church to a large church, you know, to a very large church, you, your leadership style is changing all along the way, and you're developing the team in a different manner and a measure as a leader because you're growing and changing with it. And that's the privilege I had. I wasn't brought in to pastor a church of a certain size. I got to grow with it and uh, develop the team with me. And so we were constantly changing. The that's leadership true. team was having to constantly grow, be re-discipled, relearn, trained again. And out of that, that it kept a really strong, healthy culture because we, we were used to change. And uh, unfortunately for them, they had a pastor who was still changing and growing, so we were constantly changing. And we it wasn't a bad thing. We didn't look at change or doing it differently, uh, changing up worship, changing up the way we do church, adding services. We welcomed change. And that, that to me, that's a very healthy uh, culture that you, you... And you can lead change best through your own personal growth. Yes, sir. And uh, having enough... Uh, uh, I guess the other thing would be humility, that you have enough humility to allow change you know, uh, in others and growth in others, openness to new ideas. That's a part of humility. Admitting when you've made a mistake. That's a big one. That's a big one. <laughs> that's a part of humility. Yes, sir, so I think those are the biggest challenges that leaders face uh, today. That's excellent. I love, what, I love all of that, and I love what you said about recasting the vision, uh, you know, because so many times we leaders will have a vision and they know what it is and they've said it, but not everybody knows what it is or they need to hear it again because right. they forget. And yes. not, they're not able to be carriers and run with that vision unless they have clarity in it. And That's that, true. that casting it again and again gives the clarity. And then the leadership that you have, have lived is that you've lived it on every level because you took it from beginning, a very small beginning, and then every level you had to make the changes. And yes. I love what you said about that, always being willing to change in order to lead at that, right. at that level, that new season. And that's the difficult part because uh, a lot of leaders resist change because they think that I'm having to admit that we were doing it wrong before. And yes, uh, they don't want to admit to, uh, they, see a, they see change as, as an admission of a mistake. But really, you're developing, you're growing. If it's a business, for instance, and you start in a small storefront, uh, you you may be the only employee, right? You know, so you, you get you, to do it all. You're growing it. Yeah. You're doing it all. <laughs> but there does come a time in which you've got to uh, bring someone else in and maybe relocate, and everything starts changing. 
your hours change, and that doesn't mean you made a mistake. It just means you're growing. Yes. So, so you, you have thing. to look at change as as progress instead of as as some kind of failure. We've got to do it differently to make this happen. No, you're just growing with it, right. and every change is just a is just growth, becoming be, a better leader, and uh, becoming a better team member. You know, becoming a better team builder. Yes. All of that happens because you're growing with it. I didn't know all the details of the vision when we first started. That's another thing that happens is if you're not open to change, you really only see general things. If you're honest with yourself, you have a general idea of what you want to accomplish. But every level of growth becomes you start seeing more detail. Everything is changing. And the yes. details are what start changing. Your overall vision may remain the same, but the details are constantly uh, becoming illuminated in your life. And you're like, wow, I didn't see that one coming or I didn't right. know that was happening. And so I need to adjust. And and so most of that is is just you don't have the detail. So to think you know it all from the beginning is the wrong concept of leadership. Allow yourself to grow. You'll yes. be a better leader. Yeah, a growing leader is a better leader. If we're, if we're not growing, we're we're in trouble. So that, that, that's excellent. And speaking of growing, you know, the last uh, couple of years, uh, leading has been different. Uh, it's been difficult. Uh, we've had to lead through something that you and I we've never led through before. We've never mm-hmm. led through a pandemic, a crisis, and so we we led through that. And now we've got to lead out of that. And yes. uh, what's what's the difference? What's some insight or wisdom that you would give leaders? Uh, the difference from leading in a crisis and now leading out of a crisis. There are a lot of similarities, um, but uh, leading in the crisis as leading out, because um, uh, when you're leading in the crisis, you don't want to get in crisis mode. You don't want to acknowledge that it's uh, that. That you have no control over this, or that things can't change or that's be excellent. better. That's excellent. I, I want to stop you because that's. Can you say that again? When you're when you're in a crisis, you don't want to. You don't want to. When you're in a crisis, you don't want to lead in a crisis mode, right? Because that creates panic. That's true. And if you appear panicked, then everyone around you panics. So you have to, like Paul on the ship. You remember in the Book of Acts, the ship was was sinking. And God had even told Paul that it would sink. Yes, he did. But you remember, he went on deck, faced the wind, and you can almost picture him, this strong leader with the sea spray in his face and the wind blowing through his hair and beard, and he's, he's saying, I believe God, right. fear not. Yes. And that's an incredible thing to say in it the midst incredible. of a storm. They're throwing <laughs> things overboard, you know, to lighten the load, and they're considering throwing him overboard. Right, and, right. And, uh, and so uh, if, if he had panicked, he wouldn't have been able to lead in that. Even the seasoned sailors listened to his voice because he wasn't panicking. And uh, he didn't get in crisis mode, even in a crisis. He was walking in faith instead of fear. Exactly. And uh, that's so important. And that's what this past couple of years, if we have learned anything, and if and there are a lot of leaders that have led very well, yes, sir, uh, Pastor Larry, through mm-hmm. through this crisis. I'm meeting more and more in my travels that have, I'm amazed, They've, their churches have grown, some businesses have grown in the midst of the crisis. Now on the other side of it, 
leading out of the crisis because they were never in crisis mode. They kept doing the same things that they were doing well, but they turned their attention to the sailors, to the people on board with them. That's good. And they encouraged them, don't jump ship. Uh, stay with it. Yes. You know, there's a plan on the other side. And on the other side of this, everybody's going to be all right. We're, we're going to get through this. We're going to make the, yes. We're going to make it to land. And there's a life beyond this crisis. And so, when you're leading out of crisis, if you led well in it, then you're going to be able to lead people out because of that attitude. It's like um, when Moses, uh, he, they came out of the crisis of slavery. They came to the Red Sea, and you remember uh, Pharaoh's army is coming behind them. People are panicking. Doesn't look good. Everybody's gone. But Moses, instead, he, he led the same way he did during the crisis with yes. all the plagues and everything that the judgments God was bringing on the land. He stayed calm. He remained a leader. And That's so good. on the other side of it, leading them out, the Bible said that uh, the Lord spoke to him and said to still the people and to tell them not to be afraid and for him to stretch forth the rod. I think that's very important because what that says to us when we're leading out of a crisis, everyone around us might be panicking. Yes. They might be screaming. They may be looking at the sea before and Pharaoh's army behind. They feel stuck between a rock and a hard place. But a leader is still looking for that way through. And so when you're leading out of a crisis, you're looking forward. You're stretching the rod as he was instructed, which is the word of God. You you continue to speak, stay the same, stay the course, and begin to uh, point forward. What I like about that is they were turned around looking back at Pharaoh's army mm. in fear, but instead he got them to turn and look forward. And the, the scripture tells us that the Lord made a way for them, yes. and he was able to lead them out of that crisis situation into the promised land simply by pointing the rod forward and not looking back. And the command, the second thing that God told him was to go forward. Yes. And uh, that's what I think leaders are doing right now, leading out of the crisis. Good leaders are going forward. They're not looking back. They're going forward. And they were moving forward the whole time through the crisis. They were, they were moving the whole time. They weren't stuck. That's uh, why so many, uh, yeah. I, I see so many good things under good leadership that have taken place in, uh, in all that we've gone through in the past two years. For instance, uh, the majority of churches had no uh, social media outreach. They had no online presence at all, but they were forced to begin to reach their own members that way. And much to their surprise, they were reaching people who weren't yes. their members. They started reaching total strangers. So at the end of two years, they've invested in more online um, media equipment. Right. They've advanced in their outreach. They've got an online presence, most of them larger than their church size. And so they've come out of it. Not only have they led through the crisis, now they're on the other side, and they're actually leading more people now, and they're doing more in outreach into the community than ever before because they, they begin to look for the way out and the way forward in the crisis so now they're on the other side of it, and they're just moving forward. And so I think go forward, lead by example. Excellent. Take one step at a time. Stop looking back. And don't, don't settle for what's comfortable. Uh, do whatever, do the uncomfortable thing. You know, start that new ministry. 
reach out, invest some money in your media equipment, you know, yes. go ahead and, uh, and do things that might have, you would have been uncomfortable with before the crisis. Just go ahead now and stretch yourself a little bit and that's how you do go it. For go it. for it. Absolutely. Go you, forward. You know, you can see now why I like hanging out with this guy here because <laughs> I just like to sit and listen oh, uh, to the wisdom because you, what you're sharing with leaders is so important. Oh, thank you, Larry. And so thank true. And, uh, you know, we can see it happening. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you was there's, there's so many traits or characteristics that, uh, you know, leaders should possess a good leader. But uh, what's one characteristic that really stands out to you that you believe every leader should possess? The most important quality trait or characteristic is um, integrity. Integrity, yes. Um, in a word, because um, without that, it doesn't matter how skilled or gifted you are, what your talent level is. Uh, we had Dr. Sam Chan, who was a very good friend of mine, it was in recently, and my wife and I had dinner with him, and he went out with, uh, took my son, who's the new lead pastor at the church out, and he met with him and his wife, and and they talked about so many things. Sam is a wealth of leadership information. Yes, he is. And uh, uh, he... He, at the end of their conversation, the meal is over. They're walking out of the restaurant, and and Sam says, um, all of that we've talked about, all of that is good, I, but promise me this. Promise me that you will, you will have a strong home life, be faithful to your wife, take care of your family. Promise me that. That is excellent. And Robbie said, oh, I'll, I'll do that. Yes. Because at the end of the day, no matter who you are, every good, real quality leadership teacher, instructor, mentor, they should have learned enough to know that that's the one thing that really matters. Because it everything is. else can fall apart if you, if you live with a lack of integrity in your marriage, family, finances. All of that, in the end, can destroy everything else that you've done. You could have led well in every other area. David was like that. You know, he was a great warrior king. King David. Yes. But he he had a terrible home life. He was a d bad father. He wasn't a good husband. Uh, and at the end of the day, it impacted his children. Even not just Absalom and Adonijah, but also even Solomon. Uh, he had a successful 40-year reign, but the sins of his father became a part and a habit in, in, his life. in Solomon's yeah. life. And he learned some... Terrible things. He multiplied wives, and uh, all of those things brought. He slipped into some forms of idolatry because yes, of the wives, and uh, uh, at the end of the day, that's what hurt him. He was he was so wise, but in the area of personal integrity, he fell short. And I think it's because of the influence of his father uh, negatively in his life. So that is it. I mean, that's the bottom line, integrity. Well, that is, and that brings to another question, you know, how do you how do you balance leading your family and leading everyone else? Because you just talked a little bit about that, and that is so true because as a leader, whether you're leading a business, whether you're leading a church, or whatever you're leading, uh, you've got all these people you're responsible for, you've got all these things you're responsible for, and yet... We're called to lead our family, which is most important of all. So how do you, you've been doing this for 48 years. And so I know you, I know you got this figured out. <laughs> how do you, uh, how do you balance <laughs> all of that? Well, I think the, 
There, there's another question I'll dub, tell that into that that I, I'm often asked is, uh, what kind of leadership advice would I give to someone um, if I could go back, you know? And yes, and because um, when you're talking about family, that's where I think, if I'm honest with myself, that's where I feel like. Um, the battle for successful leadership in any field really rests upon the success at home. So that private relationship with God, it's, it's not so much your public performance as it is your private purity. Yes. So for me, I think um, there are some things that I've advised my own son, and my, I have two boys, two sons and a daughter, and I've advised all of them this way. Uh, going back now, looking back on my own past, I think I would put more time and energy into my family. Uh, I got drawn aside. I didn't realize how, you know, you mentioned earlier 48 years of, of ministry and leadership. In the almost 50 years now, I've, I realized looking back, I, I missed the time that I should have invested in them without the guilt feelings. You know, I, that's a key right there yes. because you feel like that you need to be doing this or you should be doing that, and that that's a real struggle for leaders. It really is, and like Sam Chand advised my son, um, promise me that you will take care of your family and you and your finances. Those were just take care of that. So I I would put more time and energy into my family without any of the guilt feelings. Uh, there's a good scripture that's found in Proverbs 12 and 7, the latter part of that verse. I like the New Living Translation of that because it reads this way. It says, the godly leader inspires stability in those he leads. It's good. Including his own family. That's really good. And the children of the godly, it goes on to say, the children of the godly stand firm. And what you really want is that your home to be good and your kids to stand firm. And so evidently the thing to do is inspire stability in them. And you can only do that by putting the time and energy into them. Unfortunately, most of us are like King David and we spend more time trying to be a successful king or a successful warrior than we do a successful dad and husband. So, And I think the other, another thing I would have done uh, that I would advise is... Uh, for family is just to rest more. Just, uh, man, I was burning the candle at both ends. I didn't know how to relax. And uh, I got into my 40s and began to have uh, heart issues. And uh, by the time I'm in my 50s, I'm having uh, heart surgery hmm. and not realizing the stress and weight that I could have alleviated by just resting more and spending more time with my family. They're actually good leadership traits, and yes, uh, they're, they benefit you in the long run. And uh, if I had done that, it would mean a couple of things. It would have been, meant, one, that I'm trusting God more, evidently, because I'm not, I'm not feeling like I have to spend 24-7 leading the, this thing to make it work. And uh, so I'm trusting God more, and I'm trusting the people around me more, I'm delegating better. It's good. Evidently. Yes, sir. Because I'm now taking some time, spending time with my family and and then you worry less. Because you know the more time you dote on it and spend on it and uh, you find yourself fretting over it, worrying about it, 
So, in other words, I think another thing that happens is you just give the devil less attention, right? Because you're giving your family more attention. Yes, sir. You're you're not thinking so much about how he can come in like a fox and spoil everything. Uh, you you're instead you're thinking about you know I'm going to make sure my family's strong and the rest of this God, I trust Him to take care of and keep it on track. And uh, another thing, if you're in ministry leadership wise, I think I would do different. I believe I would have focused on the lost more instead of satisfying the saints. I think if I could give any young pastor, church planner advice. Focus on reaching your community more so than getting amens from the congregation. Focus more on really serving the community and reaching the loss, and it'll fill your messages with more grace. And uh, now I did that in the later years, and my goodness, did we ever grow? Uh, did we have greater impact? It seemed like everything got easier when I focused on the lost and had more grace in my preaching and. Preaching that was designed to reach the lost versus designed to get an amen. Don't you think that's where uh, leaders are staying in touch with the world in which we live? Yeah. You know, with people, we're real life. Yes. Doing, doing life with people and yeah. really understanding what they're going through. And then you're able to speak into that because you're, you're looking at people and what they're going through. And so you're looking with that compassion and you're looking with that understanding because you're around them. And you're able to see the struggles. You're able to see the difficulties. You're able to walk beside them. Absolutely. And then when you get up to lead, to preach, to teach, to lead, whatever it is you're doing, you're able to do it better because they know that you understand. You're not just up there talking. You understand what they're going through because you're there with them. Yeah, and it's a paradigm shift. It is. Uh, You know, Larry, what happens is because you're so focused on reaching people and really serving your community— Suddenly, you're you're really making a difference in people's lives because you're you're not uh, you're not just trying to impress somebody with a good message or some new insight or revelation. Uh, you're you're actually interested in their family, their home, their mental health, their marriage, their kids, and that translates right into the community. So you're not just building community like a church community. Right. You're building your your community, your city. And that focus changes everything. It gets the attention off of, of just um, yourself and your career and being successful in the eyes of other people in your career. Yes. And instead, your success comes from seeing others succeed, your, your team around you succeed, seeing your church families succeed in their marriages and homes and your businesses and your community succeed and... So when your focus gets lifted that high, you've lifted your eyes and beheld the harvest. And believe it or not, it is a a lighter load to carry than just trying to please a few folks in a church congregation and get them to shout and say amen. Right. Because I found out they can say amen in the service and still vote no in the business meeting. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, when you when you're when you're leading like that, you're you're living your message. You are. You're not just speaking your message. You're, a, yes. you're actually, when we do that, we're actually speaking our message clearer, louder, and more effective because they can see us living it out. Well not said. Just, not Amen. just speaking it in a, in a, in a service. You know, That's like you right. said, getting a few amens and, yeah. and then uh, 
uh, oh my's yeah, or whatever, exactly. whatever else may, may come on there. You know, you were talking about, uh, you've mentioned a couple of times, Dr. Sam Chan. Yeah. I got utmost respect for him. I, and I know you know him personally as a friend and because of you, I had the opportunity to meet him and he was so gracious. Yeah. Uh, his book, one of his, one of his books, Leadership Pain mm. is one of the most powerful books. Actually, I took a group of our leaders here in our community through that. And it's been about, I don't know, three or four years ago when I did that. And every time they, we, it just keeps coming up the conversation. I remember that book we went through and they've taken that book and used it over and over again because a lot of leaders are in pain or are leading through pain or we're leading people that are going through pain. And a lot of times that's when uh, leaders struggle, uh, leaders quit. And one of the questions I wanted to ask is, what is one mistake you witness leaders making more frequently than all other mistakes? Because you've got a real pulse on leadership after almost 50 years. So what, what really stands out the mistake that many leaders make? And perhaps by sharing, we can keep leaders from making it, or if they're in the midst of making it, maybe we can see things turn around. Yeah, I think, um, I think that lack of... It's a good follow-up question to, to the question concerning what would you know I do differently or what advice would I give a leader... And I spoke so much there. We just were talking about family and home and prioritizing We could stay there that. all day. That's, that's really good. I think that is um, probably the mistake, the biggest mistake, is they, uh, they prioritize what they do above who they are. Say that again. That's really good. They prioritize what they do Instead of above who they are. Who they are, yeah. And so your family, that's who you are. Who you really are isn't what people see in a pulpit necessarily or out in the business world in the community, your kids know who you really are. Yes, your sir. wife knows who you really yes, are. And that's why the home becomes the number one thing. And I think that's probably the one mistake that's made more frequently than, than others. There's another one that might be a pet peeve of mine that I, <laughs> just to mention while we're on that question, uh, a mistake that I've seen made so frequently, other than the family errors, the lack of priority in family and home, I think the other would be just uh, entitlement, this uh, sense of um, I deserve to be treated better uh, than the saints, than my congregation. Mm. I'm more important than... I've seen that way too much through the years that pastors get this idea because they have a calling on their life of giftings that they are and they're not the only ones um, you see it in professional athletes uh, it's true CEOs and business owners business that owners. feel they reach a place that they feel like I'm a man of influence and I'm above the law I'm above the same rules that and because often a leader will preach one thing, that he expects of everyone else and not do it himself. Mm. I've known leaders who, for instance, who emphasize tithing and offering and giving and generosity, but they themselves are stingy and wow. they yeah. don't sacrifice. They never give to another ministry. They don't tithe themselves. Wow. And if any leader of an organization will can tell you that when you can you can lead pastors and one of the hardest things to do in leading pastors is to get pastors to give 
you know, they all... It's hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah, but true, get yeah. them to give toward a common cause or right. to give uh, even into the organization that they're a part of. So I think that uh, most leaders, I believe that especially pastors, I believe they begin thankful. Uh, you know, uh, you rarely meet a Bible school student who isn't just thankful to feel that there's a call on their life and they're excited about ministry and serving and um, willing to serve. Uh, they're surprised by favor. Right. You know? What do you think happens? That, you know, because you're right. I, I agree. I, that's what I've over the years seen as well. What do you think happens that gets them off course? Uh, probably the primary thing is a lack of gratitude. Lack of gratitude. For what they've already received. Mm-hmm. Eventually, what a lack of an unthankful heart uh, leads to, when you're ungrateful, it brings you to the place where you you start expecting what you have been graced with. It becomes that's why I call it entitlement because they um, they you know as time passes they have an office they have. Mm-hmm. Um, People are bringing them, you know, gifts and the saints in the church, the ladies are baking them cakes and, uh, you know, you got all this stuff that just comes. Uh, in some some circles, they, they, have, uh, they have escorts, they have people mm. washing their cars, they right. have individuals that take care of their dry cleaning, they, they get to where they aren't doing anything for themselves and they didn't start that way. Matter of fact, in the earlier days, they were probably grateful when the first person said, uh, let me take care of that for you. Yes. Or, Pastor, do you mind if I wash your car? Or, uh, And then suddenly, if that doesn't happen, or the church uh, doesn't have a blowout pastor's appreciation banquet dinner filled with all kinds of gifts for them, suddenly they feel unappreciated and they don't value me and they don't... Well, there was a day when... You were, you were surprised by that. You, you saw those as gifts of love and undeserved favor, and then suddenly, you, it, it's not grace anymore. Yeah, it's something I deserve. Yeah, and that's I think that's the, the sad part of it is we lose the concept of grace when we think we deserve it. We lose the whole concept of grace. Grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. And the kindness of God toward us, to me, is a lot like the kindness of the saints toward us mm-hmm. or the employees in a company yes. toward their, their supervisors, supervisors and bosses. Boss. Whenever that becomes expected, it's an entitlement. And when, it gets, when we feel that, we want to be served, we expect to be honored, something in that part of us, that central part of us that governs our, uh, who we are, is turn just a little bit like a clock that loses time mm. and we're not who we we were we got to get back to uh servant leadership servant leadership the and, greatest greatest leader yeah. of all time taught us that, that <laughs> didn't he you know i came to serve to seek to save the lost to <laughs> help to help he, those that needed help and he know? gave himself for us completely gave himself yes he did and that's the model we need to follow instead of self-entitlement yeah that, that's excellent you know in order to help leaders um what are a few resources that you would recommend to someone looking to gain insight into becoming a better leader because i really i really feel like there's a lot of leaders out there they want to become a better leader 
Yeah. They they want to get better at what they're doing and they want to be more effective in helping people. But maybe they don't know how. Uh, where would you where would you guide them? Where would you point the direction to say, you know what, if anything could help, maybe these things will be some things I would recommend. Well, typically, usually when I'm I think of resources, I think of uh, uh, books to read because I love to read. I you do know? too. And I so I think along those lines. But um, there are some good books. I, there are some that still have stood the test of time. I, I think. Probably the best book to me ever must have been the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, John Maxwell's Excellent book. Excellent book. Yeah. Now he's, um, of course, there's an updated version that's available, and uh, I think his subtitle was something like, um, you follow these principles and people will follow you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. Follow them and they will follow you. It's kind of like build it and they will come. Yes, sir. <laughs> follow them and they will follow you. It's a, it was a great book. It impacted me. There's an, um, a current one that I, I like a lot of, um, still digesting, but it's it's called uh, uh, Leaders Eat Last, and uh, it deals with um, the people-first leadership. That's good. Servant leadership. Servant leadership, yeah. Uh, and it's it takes military concepts into mind, which is interesting because military leaders, the the troops eat first, and that's what it's kind of based on. It's you gain their respect from putting them first, and um, uh, instead of you know the other just treating them like an inferior, you you put them for. And that's why some teams work together and other teams just can't work together. And uh, that's a good book, uh, I think. Um, Sam Chand, of course, he's written a host of good leadership books. We yes. mentioned him earlier. I, I like uh, one of my favorites is uh, Cracking Your Church's Culture Code mm-hmm. and uh, because I think healthy culture is so important. So I would really recommend those as far as resources. But there are other resources available besides reading. That's so private and personal. But I think um, getting to a good leadership conference or uh, seminars seeking out that there are even cruises that you can go on with leaders now and you can get some time away with your spouse and at the same time uh, glean from uh, some of the best leaders in the world are doing things like that right now Uh, i think that's a great and healthy uh, not just escape but also a way to learn at the same time Yes, that's excellent. Yeah, you know another thing, you, and you do this, you model this, you, you model those, but you also model this, is uh, you have people even come into your home and stay with you, and you speak into them. Uh, one of the one of the best ways I've learned as a leader, and I love to read, and I love to go to conferences, and I do all those, and those are important. Mm-hmm. But is spending time with other leaders, yes, and just letting them pour into you. Yeah, uh, they actually in in Denmark, they actually have where authors come and sit down and you talk to them and they speak. It's almost like a a book that's alive that's speaking into you, the insights and the wisdom. And and you actually, you you live that, you practice that. And that's, to me, one of the best ways to grow as a leader is to get around other leaders, whatever your profession is. And, And really, a leader that's good in any area can be beneficial to any leader in any any type of area. Well, I, I have a, my wife and I, it's, it's, people think we're just being nice to them, but we created an area in our home and we love having leaders in. You remember the, 
there was the wealthy wo- uh, woman who uh, her husband couldn't have, they couldn't have children. He was an older man, but she would invite Elijah, and they built a room on the house for him. Yes. And the man of God, he's called in that scripture, would come come by, and. Um, I was raised that way. My parents loved to host missionaries and people in the home, and I used to sneak in when I was supposed to be in bed and listen to their conversations and mission stories around the table, and it it impacted my heart as a young man. So now I feel one of the best things I can do is what this woman did, is make a place and open my home to leaders. So pastors stay with us a couple, three days at a time, and um, we... We mean it when sincerely when we invite them, but I've given personal invitation to pastors to our home that have taken me up on it, and it came in, and I love those times. Uh, uh, I like fixing the room up nice for them. I like serving them and entertaining them, but the whole while I'm learning from them and gleaning from them, and hopefully we're being a blessing to them as well. You are a blessing because uh, my wife, Wendy, she, I haven't made it yet. You've invited me and I'm going to get there. That's why he's looking at me when he's saying that. But uh, Wendy went down there and spent about a week with uh, Teresa, your wife. Yes. And and then you were there at the latter part coming back from a ministry. Yeah. And uh, it was just so encouraging and so refreshing to her. And uh, just to let you know, this guy really practices what he says. Uh, today, he was inviting all kind of people to come, other leaders to come down and to, to see him in Johnson City and to spend that time. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, what you said is true, though, is, you know, people are coming and they're being refreshed and they're learning from you, but we do learn from each other. We do. And, uh, Absolutely. boy, it's so important. Those relationships. Amen. It's all about relationships. Amen. Yeah. I love it. Uh, what are you doing, and, and it kind of goes along with what we just said, because that certainly does it, but what are you doing to ensure that you continue to grow and develop as a leader? I mean, you you think you've been doing it 50 years. You, you probably got it all down, but there's still <laughs> things to learn. So what are you doing in this season of your life uh, that would help someone else to ensure their growth? Well, um, there's probably two or three things I could throw in here real quickly. I I think reading, I already mentioned that. I think reading is is great and, and trying to stay as current as you can reading. Uh, another thing is um, listening to next generation leaders. There are a lot of leaders now that are doing great podcasts like yourself. And so the people that are listening in right now, they're, they're practicing that. They're doing something that can ensure their growth and development as a leader. So you listen to them. But I like to listen to these next generation leaders. I do too. You know, I'm older now. I'm 67. And uh, so I started in ministry 48 years ago. I was just 19 and full-time ministry and uh, a youth pastor. And so I I like, uh, and things have changed. It's not the yes, same as it was 48 years ago when I was a youth pastor. <laughs> so I love to listen to Chad Veach, uh, has a great uh, podcast, and he's interviewed some of the best leaders in the land. Uh, uh, one of my favorite ones with his podcast was uh, his interview of Jensen Franklin. Love Jensen Franklin. Uh, it was absolutely yeah. awesome. Uh, Jabin Chavez now yes. doing some great leadership teaching. He's in Las Vegas and is doing a great work for the Lord there. Another good next-generation leader, uh, Judah Smith. Uh, if you can listen to him and you'll glean, you'll grow, it, you'll, and you learn different preaching styles. Preaching styles have changed. I think they're today uh, 
they're more circular style than uh, my day was more linear, you mm -hmm. know, uh, was uh, introduction one, two, three, A, right. B, C. And, uh, but now they, there's a lot more storytelling. There's uh, in the teaching of today, they start where they, they end where they began. And uh, uh, so they're not talking in circles, <laughs> but they're continually uh, uh, circling back to their main point. And uh, instead of undergirding a message thought, they are circling back to it constantly with the stories and illustrations, biblical stories, personal life stories. I love the way that they teach and preach today. Uh, so my son, Robbie Hill. I was going to say another of, great one's Robbie Hill. Oh, right, if yeah, you're I, him or not. I'm going to be at a, a Bible college this coming weekend, and he and I are speaking together at this, this Bible college graduation and the, for the local church there. So he's one of the best. Uh, he speaks for these guys and is, uh, has relations with some of the ones I've already mentioned. And um, I started having uh, them into our church while I was still pastor because I wanted to uh, build relationships with them for his sake, but also at the same time so I could learn and grow from them. Uh, Larry Crawford has a great leadership <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Thank that, you, you're kind. Uh, you know, people need to be listening to. <laughs> you know, you're talking about learn from the, the uh, next generation, the young generation. And uh, John, my son, he's in the room with us helping us record this. And <laughs> yeah. He pushes me and stretches me. And, yes. and uh, I love, uh, I think it's so important what you said about that is that we are in touch with the younger generation and the different generation of leaders that we can learn from one another, you know, just yes. as we learn from you and, and all your wisdom and, and, and the different ages and different generations. Yes. Uh, it, it just helps. We, we're better together. We certainly uh, we are. We learn from each other. We help each other. Absolutely. That's and true. So that, that's, that's so good. Yeah. And, and that brings me to this question because I see, and you and I talked about this earlier. We were, we were actually coming back from lunch. We were talking about it in the car. And so many leaders I see that, that burn out, they're, they're hurting they get to a place where they're frustrated. Some of them even quit. There are probably some that are listening right now that are struggling with that. They may even th be thinking about quitting. And, you know, in almost five decades, mm -hmm. uh, you've never quit. Now, you may have thought about quitting. You probably did. <laughs> you, may, you may have been close to quitting, but you never quit. How did you avoid burnout? How did you work through that when it came and what's something maybe that you could, you know, speak that would help others that are either in that or they're going through that or they, they may be, you know, facing that in the future? Yeah, um, I, it made me think of a pastor that really blessed me when I was coming up. His name was Leonard Fox, and he pastored in California, traveled all over the country, and uh, he, just a wonderful man of God, he and his wife. But he uh, he said once that he quit 52 times a year, but never on Sunday, <laughs> only on Monday. Only on Monday. Yeah, and it was his day off. I think, I think, a, lot, so, I think a lot of leaders, especially <laughs> preachers, quit on Monday. Yeah, yes. He just would on, on Mondays, and it was his day off. So by the time he got through his day off, he was back at he it on okay. Tuesday morning. But uh, yeah, I think it's important to... I think burnout comes from, uh, from the lack of rest and misplaced priorities. Uh, we've already talked about some of those, but yes, sir. When you're focusing on just um, your personal success and the business or the ministry, 
and you get wrapped up in that, you're going to burn out eventually if you see your your success is tied to how many people are coming, uh, that type of thing, and how you compare with others. Comparison is a deadly enemy. It is. It brings about so much burnout. One of the hardest things to do is go to a large church conference and see all that they're doing and then come back and think, I've got to implement all that in my church. And you come back and try to model that and you're nowhere near that size or ability or volunteer right. base or employees or anything like that. So you, so it's, I think it's in that dis, discouragement. It's putting your expectations in an unrealistic place and reality, and uh, Sam Chan says the difference, but the distance between uh, expectation and reality is called disp- disappointment and discouragement. Mm-hmm. So that gap between what you expect and the way things really are, that's where the burnout comes. And so I think it's it's to have uh, realistic expectations of the ministry itself, but don't make it your end all and all in all. Mm, um, build, do life. I mean, yeah. man, have have fun with that, the wife of your youth. And even yes, Solomon sir. said at the end of it all, you know, he, he said that's what it's all about. Uh, it's about the wife of your youth mm-hmm. and spending time with her and giving that all your might and all your strength. And and so uh, that to me, it, when you're prioritizing family and you're having fun with your kids and you're just enjoying life, you're not going to burn out. And then the second thing is um, maintain a strong personal prayer and devotion time. Yes, that's I so think important. that's got to be your first priority every day. Mm-hmm. Get in the presence of the Lord, spend time with Him, and then you'll go that day in the strength of the Lord and not in your own strength. So you maintain that. That's a, that's, I've often told people that I have to have a prayer time every morning uh, so that I can live right and just be a good Christian. It's true. I've got to have that time first thing because, you you know, some people, they say, that don't talk to me until I've had my first cup of coffee. Right. I say, don't talk to me until after I've had prayer. <laughs> and, and your first cup of coffee. And the first cup of coffee <laughs> while I'm praying, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I really need that time with the Lord to straighten me out and get my attitude right and have yeah. uh, the right attitude toward the day. And once you realize you need grace... Those are the people that walk in it and receive it. And so practice contentment and gratitude for where you are now and be grateful for God's blessings in your life. Enjoy your family. Maintain a real strong prayer and devotion. That's good. And you said one other thing earlier, you know, how um, comparison is a real killer. You know, and, and you, we had talked about earlier that, you know, we need to be the leader, the person that God created us to be. Be yes. you. Yes. Because there's no one like you. God, God right. created each of us unique. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we have different personalities and abilities and giftings. And just be the best you that you can be. Absolutely. And uh, lead that way. But I, I love what you shared about the family, the priorities, the, the personal time with the Lord. All those are so critical because we can't give what we don't have. And yeah. so if we're on empty, we can't give something that's going to help somebody. But if we're yeah. full of life and we're full of peace and we're full of joy and we're full of grace then we're going to be able to give that to others. Absolutely. And as a leader, we need to always be in that position where we can not burn out because we're, we're spending that time with the Lord, and then out of that overflow, we're able to minister to other people. Yeah, and, and, and you know, so good. if you're 
if you live joyfully with the wife of your youth, as Ecclesiastes uh, 9 and 9, if you, if, you lead, if you live joyfully with her, that carries over into every aspect of life. It does. But if you neglect her and you're, you're going to, you know, your life's not going to be so happy. They, one of the old sayings my dad used to say was, happy wife, happy life. And I really believe that's true in leadership. If you can yes, make sure that the home life is happy, you, the dad you ought to be, it just carries over into everything else. It just means that you're, who you are isn't dependent on your success in business or your, the size of your church. Who you are is, is your wife and kids and your home and your family mm-hmm. and stability yeah. there. And if you are if you got it right in your relationship with God and your relationship with your family, you're a great leader. That's and you're great. leading best where it matters most. Leading best where it matters most. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. As you can see, uh, Richard and I, we could go on all day. <laughs> and uh, it is so good. And uh, I get the privilege to be able to hang with him after this episode and, and spend more time. But uh, is there any final thoughts that you want to share uh, with our listeners, with the leaders that are listening right now? Well, uh, I think um, work on you. Just work on being the best uh, Christian you can. Uh, that's the way to be the best leader that you can. Um, Galatians chapter 5, uh, everybody knows that passage, 22 to 26. It lists the fruit of the Spirit, and it talks about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, yes. gentleness, goodness, faith, self-control. And uh, I see in that some things that as a, uh, just as a closing thought for me that has helped me be a good leader, uh, I took those fruit of the Spirit and I did the same with the Beatitudes, and I made a leadership list out of those. It's excellent. Do these things, and you'll be a good leader. And In any area of life. Exactly. It is. It's good. And the fruit of the Spirit, you know, starts with love, joy, peace. But as you go through that, that list, there's some things that just make it so plain. Like, uh, for instance, the first fruit, just love. Love people. Mm. It makes makes leading people a whole lot more fun if you just love them. It does. Love people. Don't love crowds and hate people. Don't be that kind of leader. Love love people. And be consistent in your moods, joyful moods. Yes. Uh, That really, I think you're approachable then. So nobody wants to approach somebody that's just a grumpy and grouchy all the time and but people are drawn to you if you're uh, if you have joy and then be a peacemaker. Choose your words. Um, don't disturb the peace. You know, don't say anything if you don't have something kind or good to say. Be a peacemaker. Understand human weakness. Be able to laugh at yourself and let other people have faults too. That's, That's what patience really is. Yes, it is. Uh, one of the words in the original Greek just means patience with people. So, you know, that's, we need a, a, lot of that as a, leader, that's right? a big deal. Uh, <laughs> compassion, be a right. good Samaritan, look out for the needs of other people, be confident, optimistic. To me, that's what faith is. It is. Confidence and optimism. Live your life daily, every day in faith. Don't be a one day up, one day down kind of a leader. That's Nobody wants to follow that. Be sensitive to other people's feelings. Be... That just means you're emotionally steady. When other people are not, 
you know, you're sensitive to their feelings yes. and and uh, you gently adjust to other people's emotions. Uh, the last one, then the fruit of the spirit, there is just controlling your own desires. Be willing to sacrifice your preference in a situation to avoid offending someone. Don't you know? Push your will and way on everybody. Uh, just control your own desires and affections. I think those things, just in closing, I believe, are make us a good leader and a good, well-rounded person that people want to be around in the first place. Yes, sir. <laughs> Well, thank you, Richard, so much for joining us on this oh, episode. And I know that people are going to want to hear more from you. And uh, can you. you give them your, because you have a website, right, that they can go to. Will you share that so they can yeah. find more information? Maybe they want to get in touch with you. Maybe they want to have you in uh, to speak or to just help them out. For sure. Uh, HiltonFamilyMinistries.com. It's uh, pretty easy to find and locate Uh we can be reached uh, also through our church. Um, uh, Calvary Church is easy to find. It's visitcalvary.com. And, and that's uh, in Johnson City, yeah. Tennessee. And I can be reached by email at just pastor at visitcalvary.com. Excellent. And so it's it's pretty easy uh, to remember contact information. I know there's going to be think. people that want to contact you <laughs> because you. <laughs> uh, it's been so rich. Thank you for taking time to share. Thank you. My joy. You know, our desire is is to help you become the leader that God created you to be. Uh, a better you is not only better for you, it's better for everyone else as well. <laughs> right. uh, we're here to come alongside you, help you become the leader that God created you to be. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening to the Larry Crawford Leadership Podcast. For more information or to download the leader guide for this episode, you can go to our website, larrycrawford.live. To get in touch with us, send us an email at leadership at larrycrawford.live.